Well, we're in our last sermon for the series of listening to God. And, uh, you know, you know I, th- I think it's very humbling to, to stand here and, and to preach eight sermons, well, seven, Timmy did last week, and, and you know, this be the ninth week, and to really understand that we just cannot do God do justice for what he deserves. Like, I cannot communicate to you how important it is in your life for you to listen to the Lord how he leads you, how he guides you to, to listen to his word, his written word through the Bible. I, I can't communicate that to you. I mean, I could tell you till I'm blue in the face and you're sick of hearing it and you're ready to go home. But really, it's something that God has to speak into your heart and just reveal to you. And you have to be humble and willing to listen to that, for, to listen to the Lord, to tell you that it's really important that we listen to him that we obey him, that, that there's something more there for us than what the world shows us or teaches us or tells us. And today, as we finish up, this passage is so perfect for the last sermon in this series. Paul writes to his young protege, Timothy, and he's instructing him about how to minister, how to teach, how to preach, how, how to do these things with this group of believers because it's very difficult. We like to read the Bible and think that they had their act together, but actually when you read Scripture, especially the New Testament, they were all letters addressing the problems that the early Christians were dealing with. And so we're still dealing with them. So you're sitting here this morning, don't think of yourself as too far gone, that you have no hope. You understand this morning that whatever it is that you're going through, there were Christians in the New Testament during time that we're reading in the Bible, we're going through the same exact things that you are. You're not going through anything new. And the whole, like whatever our society is, whatever you see on the news, it may all seem new to us. It's not new. They were dealing with the same exact stuff in the Bible. And there's tons of passages of Scripture that reflect on that. And so we're going to read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 5 this morning as Paul continues to instruct Timothy on how to lead his church. Paul says, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. That's important. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires And will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and they will chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. Now the title of today's sermon is A Time Is Coming. And I think it's really important to understand and realize that We're living in a time where a lot of things that Paul was talking about is among us. And I think that lots of scripture helps us to be prepared for certain times. You with me? And there are certain passages of scripture that are more applicable now than what they may have been a year ago or five years ago or ten years ago. And five years from now, there will be certain passages of scripture that will be more applicable to our life and situation and circumstances. 
Because that's the way God works. Every, the Bible is complete. It's whole. It's exactly what God wanted it to be. It's exactly what he intended it to be. If you have trust and faith and you believe in that, you can use God's word to accomplish everything that he has called you to do. But you got to believe that. Because if not, you're, gonna not, you're not going to have faith. You're not going to invest in knowing the word. And you're not going to apply it as time goes on. But I got five short points for you this morning. And point number one from this passage is, is that you need to be prepared to preach. Paul, it's the first thing that he says to Timothy, be prepared to preach. Now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the calling on your life as a believer in Jesus Christ. If you have asked forgiveness of sin, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you expect to be in eternity with Christ in heaven, you need to understand the calling on your life to speak the name of Jesus to tell other people about what he's done for you in your life and to tell other people about what he can do for them. You need to be ready to do that. And one of the most uh, famous quotes that I really like is, at all times preach the gospel and when necessary, speak. Your life is your greatest testimony. Your actions are your greatest testimony. And so just being a believer this morning, you need to understand that the way that you live is so much more significant than the words that you say. You with me? But also understand that there's a time that comes and there's a right time for you to speak. And so point number one, be prepared to preach. It doesn't matter whether or not the time is favorable. God expects you to speak when you're called to speak. You with me? But you got to be prepared. It doesn't just happen. It's not going to be one of those things if you live like the devil all week long and then you get the opportunity to minister one day. It's not going to equate. It doesn't translate. you got to be prepared for that. Isaiah chapter 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. You need to understand this morning because there's a culture who promotes to us that Christianity is ugly, that it's hateful, that it's hypocritical. And yes, it can be all those things if it's not done correctly. But if you live for Christ and you love people how God has called you to love people and you treat people how he's called you to treat people and you speak the things that God has called you to speak and not speak the things he's called you not to speak, you will be one of the greatest lights that the world could possibly see. You're the salt of the earth. A true Christian is someone that people appreciate and enjoy and like having around. Now, it doesn't mean that you're always going to say everything that they want to hear, and we'll talk about that here in a second, but it does mean that you will be beautiful and that people will appreciate the fact that you speak what you believe and you live what you believe, most importantly. You with me today? It's more important that you live what you believe than you speak it. You can only speak it if you live it. Otherwise, nobody will listen. But truth is valuable. We talk about truth a lot. If you speak truth, you are valuable just by the simple fact of you speaking truth. To know whether or not you can trust someone is valuable. 
You know, people don't always like hearing the truth, do they? You know, have you ever been told something that you didn't want to hear, but it was true? You know, I wore a bowl cut long after a bowl cut should have been wore. Long after a bowl cut should have been wore. In the high school, like in the late 90s. And I had an aunt come down from Boston who said, y'all need to go get that boy's haircut. He looks ridiculous. And that hurt my feelings. But I got a haircut and went back to school and things were a lot better. The truth hurts, but it's good and it's beneficial. And you need people who are willing to speak the truth in your life. And some of the most valuable people that I try to surround myself with are people that I know who are going to say what needs to be said. We don't always agree on everything. In fact, if people speak truth, you're probably going to disagree more than you agree. But if they're speaking truth and they speak what they believe and they speak what they think is right, those are the people you need to surround yourself with. Truth is valuable. And as a Christian, what the Lord is leading you to say is not always going to be received well in the beginning. You with me today? It's not always going to be what someone wants to hear. It's not always going to be necessarily nice. But as believers, we're called to speak truth in the people. And in due time, they realize that that is valuable. And they always come back to people who are willing to speak truth to them because they know if you speak truth, you care about them. And you can laugh, and it sounds silly, but how many of you have ever been asked by somebody, does this outfit look okay? Does my hair look okay? And you say, oh, yeah, it looks great. And then you turn around and it's like, that looks ridiculous. But you don't want to tell them because you don't want to hurt their feelings, right? And you think out of niceness that, that you're doing that. But what you did is you sent them out for everyone to have the same thought that you just had about them. And that's a terrible thing to do. Like, like it, to, you, you risk like, oh, I didn't want to hurt their feelings. So now people are going to make fun of them and say things about them behind their back the whole day that they're wearing or looking like they're looking. When it would have been more beneficial for them to be told the truth so they could go change or go look in the mirror and fix their hair or do something to improve, you have the opportunity to share that with them. And it's the same way with your spiritual life. You have the opportunity to speak the truth to people's lives, to teach them about Jesus, to tell them what truth is. And if you don't do it because you're afraid to hurt their feelings or you're afraid that you're going to offend them, all you're doing is sending them out to their doom. And that's not love. Speaking truth is one of the greatest signs of love. Point number two. We have to use patience and encouragement. You know, we don't, we don't understand how important that is a lot of times. Because as people, we love to take parts of Scripture that we like and we identify with. And we like to use that and like become that. And so like we love parts of movies and TV shows where somebody like gets to beat someone up or tell someone off and like that's like oh that'd be great I'd love to do that and we think about like all the things we'd like to go back and say to somebody that we didn't get to say in the moment and we rehash those stuff in our mind. And so like when you look at Jesus a lot of people love the fact that Jesus was very harsh with the religious leaders and the things that he would say to them. Like he would call them a brood of vipers. He would go into the temple. He'd turn over the tables and he'd scatter the money. And then he even made a whip and drove them out. Drove out the animals. 
And like people love that aspect of Jesus. And you can see that as a lot of people model their ministry or their preaching tactics or something after that, like kind of harsh. Well, you just got to say it like it did. Jesus, that's the way Jesus did. But if you read scripture and you look at the way that Jesus interacted with people, the amount of times where he was harsh and coarse with people is very minute. And it was always with religious people who knew better, who knew God's word, and yet chose to still live in sin. But with everyone else that he surrounded himself with, the disciples, the sinners, the people of the day, he was always so patient and loving with those people. And every time they failed him, why do you have so little faith? We tried to cast out this demon, we didn't, and it beat us up. We did this, we were about to sink in the boat, and they're screaming, Jesus, wake up, don't you care we're about to drown? Why do you have so little faith? And even as Judas is about to go and betray him, he looks at Judas and he simply says, go do what you need to do. When one of his own is about to betray him and hand him over, there's no hatred, there's there's nothing there. It's all love. Jesus loved sinners. And so this morning I want to encourage you, like there may be a time for you to get firm with someone or to say something that needs to be said. But the majority of the time, you should be speaking out of love and encouragement and patience in your life. We are called to be like Christ, but we are not afforded the same authority that Christ has. You with me? Do we always say or do the right thing in the right moment in time? No. We don't always handle things the way that they should be handled. We don't always display anger the way that you should display anger in a godly way. Most of the time, people don't do that. And so for us to think that we could display a righteous anger like Christ did when he ran the people out of the temple, and that we could do that and do it in the right way, it's beyond us. Does that make sense? That's not something that we should be afforded to do. We should be practicing patience and encouragement. Speak truth. You with me today? Speak truth, but do it out of love, encouragement, and patience. Followers of Christ were never called to be angry and to be aggressive. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9-11, Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. He says, For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out His anger on us. For Christ died for us, that whether we are dead or alive when He returns... We can live with him forever, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. You with me this morning? Encourage and build one another up. Yes, speak truth. There will be times when you need to look at someone and you need to speak truth into their life and say, Hey, what you're doing is not right. That was wrong. You need to do this. There will be times... But you need to be building one another up and encouraging one another and say, I am here. I will help you in any way that I can to move past this, to grow beyond this. We can pray together. Let's spend time together. Let's meet together. Let's have accountability together. It's not just a a free pass for you to go around and say, this is wrong, that's wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, blah. But it's the opportunity for you to pour into someone's life to love them and build them up. Point number three, the time is coming. And as people, we said this a while ago, you know, Scripture constantly warns us of coming times. 
And you know, I think as Christians, we, we look at this point where we're all just expecting the end. Like we're expecting tribulation and we're expecting the end of times and we're all just looking forward to this like one thing that's just going like, to all happen at one time. And the truth is, I believe that Scripture prepares us for certain times as for the world as a whole, for societies, for cultures, for individuals. For, for one of you in here today, there's probably a passage of Scripture that you're reading that's spoken to you here recently like it never has before. And for one of you on the other side of the room, there's probably another passage that's different that's spoken to you like it never has before. And God's Word is perfect like that. It can speak and prepare you for given moments in time. But I do believe that we're living in a time in our culture, in our country, to what Paul was saying to Timothy applies to us significantly in this moment. People are deviating away from Scripture in ways that we have never seen before. In our culture, people are looking for answers outside of Scripture concerning God in different books and different writings and different things, trying to find something that they think no one else has ever found. You know, we. <laughs> Every time we have a family uh, get together with one of Hannah's side of the family, I end up in about an hour to three hour conversation with one of her cousins who, who he knows I'm a pastor. And when you're a pastor, you just have like the most weird conversations, honestly. Like people will ask you some of the weirdest stuff. And so uh, we, we have long conversations about all these things that he is reading that's not scripture, but it's, it's things that might be associated with scripture or, or Books that people might have used at one time but never made it into the canonization of the Holy Bible that we read today. And so, as, and it's not just him. This is something that's super uh, significant among our culture today and young people is that people are trying to find answers about God and all these other things rather than just reading God's Word. And as I try to explain to him, like, well, this is why some of the books were like taken out and not considered. You know, the holy, inerrant word of God and, and the scrutiny and all the things that all the ones that we have in our Bible today, the, the criteria they had to meet in order to be considered that and the, the test that they had to pass in order to be there it is so significant. And people are still like, well, I, you know, I don't think that's all the answers. I want to find this. I, I want to find something else. And they're looking for answers in other places. And I just want to remind you today as there's probably a lot of people that you know or you might have like seen videos or been tempted to do that, I want to remind you today that salvation through Jesus Christ was made to be simple. It was made to be a gift. So simple that a child can have faith and believe and have a relationship with Christ. And you need to understand that what Jesus Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago was enough. His resurrection from the grave 2,000 some years ago, it was enough. And what you read about in Scripture, in God's Word, that we call the Bible, that is enough. And if you have a relationship with God, like, yes, there are things, whenever I read Scripture, there are times I say, man, I wish they would have went into a little more detail about this thing. 
I wish I knew more about the background or, or the significance of this story rather than just what's here. There are always times where I want to know more about what I'm reading that they just didn't give that information. But the Bible is not an informational book. The Bible is a spiritual book. It's not a historical book. It's a spiritual book. It's everything that you need to have a relationship with God. It explains everything that you need to engage in a relationship with God. And I want to tell you this morning, you don't have to go and put in all the extra effort to go look in other places that no one else has found yet that you might find something that no one else has ever seen. Everything that you need to have a relationship with God, to have eternal life, is already given to you. And it's so simple that a child can do it. And there's nothing about God's word that does not exist that can't provide you the answers you need for different situations and circumstances and things that are going on in life. And we read this passage of scripture today and Paul is saying, look, a time is coming when people will not listen to sound doctrine. They don't want to hear truth. They will look for people who will tell them what they want to hear, right? And Paul is saying, that time is coming, and this is a time that we're living in now. And so as you think about, okay, well, how, do I, how am I supposed to be a Christian in this day and time with all this stuff going on, and it seems like the world's going to hell in a handbasket, and, and we don't really know like, how, what to do because we've never experienced like, the significance of this change in our culture before, moving away from Christian morals to secular stuff in the world. How do we deal with that? God's word teaches us. It prepares us for these things in these times. Do not, <coughs> do not fall into the trap of thinking that you have to do something above and beyond what someone else is doing in order to have a relationship with Christ. It is a free gift from God. It's free. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to strive. You don't have to do any of these things. All you have to do is submit yourself to God and believe. And I'm going to tell you, reading his word and, and spending time in prayer. And it's not about just attending church. But it's about surrounding yourself with other believers so that you can have spiritual conversations and ask questions about Scripture that you may not understand. Amen. So that you can ask, like, hey, what, what should I do about this situation in life? And there's somebody here who's probably been through the same thing that you are because like we said earlier, there's nothing that you're going through now that someone else in the world has not already gone through. Homosexuality, transgender, like... Um, you know, same-sex marriage, all that stuff was happening 2,000 years ago whenever the New Testament was being written. We're not living in anything new. It might be new to us because it just kind of like got big here recently. This has been a thing in the world for 2,000 years and longer than that. Surround yourself with other believers. All those things sound like, God, that's not the things that we want to hear. But remember, as Christians, your job is to speak truth, Right? And the truth doesn't always sound good. The truth doesn't always feel good. But the truth is truth. And I'm telling you this morning, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you read his word, you pray, you surround yourself with other believers, and you 
Humble yourself to the accountability with other believers. And you'll grow in your relationship with God more than you could ever dream or realize. Because that's what being a part of the church is all about. Even together, as we meet together in accountability and fellowship, we read scripture and we pray. Like, it's what being a believer of Christ is. Point number four. People will look for silver tongues. You know, denominations, churches, pastors, and congregations are beginning to stray away from what has been taught as truth for 2,000 years. And one of the most painful things, you know, I was reading and watching videos and different stuff this week about this. One of the things that someone said is, you know, it's been painful as a as someone who was older, uh, their, their, their life is basically coming to an end. And they were struggling with homosexuality. And as they were growing up, they were always told, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. And so they didn't do it. They rejected that. They didn't marry someone that they loved. They didn't do all those things. And now that churches are turning around and saying, oh no, we're going to support this, we're going to do this, like we condone that. It's like they're saying, like we've now they feel like they've wasted their whole life and now they're mad at the church because they've changed. They've changed their mind. And guys, it's, it's important for you to understand today that as there are people, there are people who claim to be Christians, there are denominations and churches and different groups of people and pastors who are deviating away from Scripture and teaching new things. Remember what we said about God. Everything that was done was done 2,000 years ago, and it was done perfectly, exactly the way that God wanted it done, and it was sufficient then, and it's still sufficient now. You should be weary of anyone who is teaching, preaching, or claiming that they have discovered anything new. You should be weary of those people, because everything that's been done has been good enough, and it's complete. Jesus said, it is finished. It's finished. And when he rose from that grave, he claimed victory over death in the grave. He claimed victory over everything that we look for. He claimed victory over sin, over temptation, over the world, over death in the grave. Jesus claimed victory over all that. And you should be weary of anyone who preaches anything new because... When you look at this whole aspect of people with silver tongues and who love to flatter, you like being told good things about yourself? Don't lie. You can raise your hand. We all love being complimented. It's very nice to be complimented. I walked out of the house this morning and said, I look good today. It felt good. It's nice to be told that. But we have to be careful. And Hannah will be the first one to tell you that she is nice. Like Hannah's nice. Hannah is not going to say anything to hurt anyone's feelings. And I'll ask her about something, or she'll say something. She's like, your sermon was good today. I'm like, you would say that anyway. And it's like, I don't, I don't take her advice on whether or not my sermon was good or whether or not anything like that, because I know she's going to say it was good anyway, because she's not going to want to hurt my feelings. So point number one is more for her than anybody. Flattery is dangerous. 
And in fact, when you read scripture, it talks about flattery and how dangerous flattery is in multiple applications, mostly in the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 5, it says to flatter friends is to lay a trap at their feet. And it's true. Flattery is, is trapping people. You tell them what they want to hear, and people use flattery. When people are flattering you and they're just telling you all these nice things about you, you need to be weary of those people because you've you got to kind of wonder, what are they wanting from you? If they're just telling you all the good things and they tell you what you want to hear, yeah, it makes you feel good, but what do they want from you? There's generally something attached to that. And it's a trap. And it's one of the easiest ways. Remember, we said speaking truth is one of the easiest ways to know whether or not someone truly loves or cares about you. Now, I said Hannah's nice. Every once in a while, she'll get truthful. When she's had enough, she'll speak the truth. But Proverbs 27, verses 5 through 6. The author says, An open rebuke is better than hidden love, and wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. You need to understand today that the world, people who are just of the world, they want someone to tell them all the good things. They want to be bragged on. They want to have these compliments given them. We want to feel good about ourselves. It's one of the biggest reasons why social media was so successful. When people could get on there and look, how many friends do I have today? How many likes do I have today? How many followers do I have today? And that dopamine rush that you get from seeing that, like that affirmation in your life, it just makes you feel great. It makes you feel good. Flattery is dangerous. And yes, words will wound us. Anybody ever been told something before and it hurt? Like, dude, words cut deep, they cut to the bone. And they hurt. But it's a small amount of suffering compared to the wounds that will come from flattery. Someone just tells you what you want to hear and they never help you grow. They never help you move beyond where you are today. To never help your child grow beyond what they are is one of the worst things that you could do for them. Like your children need to know that they could do better. They could be better. They could act better. They could be smarter. They need to be told those things. With love and encouragement, but they need to be told those things. How many of you would love to have a 30-year-old who acted like a 4-year-old? Nobody, because that would be appalling. So we speak truth to them to help them grow. Because that's what's expected. And whether it's in relationships or friendships or business or even in church, be weary of flattery. You, you know, I, I, I just want to say this. We, even with our board, like our LBA, we've had to make some really hard decisions and track through a lot of stuff over the past several years with COVID and remodeling and you know all this different stuff. And I'm going to tell you guys, we have... Everybody who's been on our board for the past several years, we go around and everybody speaks as to how they feel, what they feel like the Lord's saying, what they feel like is right or wrong. And you have nine people who's doing that. Nobody agrees. You with me? Like nobody's agreeing on everything, but they're speaking truth 
They're speaking what they think is right. And so as a group, they come together, they make a decision. And when we walk out of the room and say, okay, like this isn't what everyone wanted to do. But when we make this decision, when we come out of these doors, we're all doing this together. Is everybody okay with that? And everybody says yes. And we move forward from there. And that's a wonderful thing. Like you need people who speaking truth. You need to know how other people feel. You need to know what's going on in people's lives. We need to be able to speak truth to one another. So stay clear of flattery, even inside the church. Point number five. Keep a clear mind and don't be afraid. Keep a clear mind and don't be afraid. And if we're not careful... Our minds can be filled with a plethora of nonsense and unimportant things. And when I say that, this is, this is so important. Because it doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, like, this is one of those things that used to be like young people filled their lives with hobbies and unimportant things. And, and then like older people didn't really like that didn't equate to them. It's even with like, older people now. So that doesn't matter how old you are. You got to be careful not to let your mind and your life be filled with unimportant things. Because this world is full of stuff that wants to take your attention and your time and your money and your focus. And it's not necessarily simple things. You with me? Like there's, there's a lot of stuff in life that's not simple. And I'm, I'm telling you this from personal experience this morning because there's been several times and points in my life where God has spoken to me and helped me to realize like, James, you, your life is more than playing ball. Or James, your life is more than this hobby. Or James, your life is more than, than this relationship or this moment or this friendship. And that's been really difficult as time has progressed through my life to come at different stages where God has said, your life is more than this thing. And it's not necessarily anything simple because we start as, oh, this isn't bad. This is fun. I enjoy this. Like, this is nice. This is great. But before you know it, Anything can be used to distract us and take us away from God's purpose for our life. And that's what you need to be aware of. There's a lot of things in moderation are perfectly fine. But we as people, whether we want to admit it or not, have addictive personalities. And we get caught up in stuff a lot deeper than what we should. And we have to be aware, aware of that. And as I say that right now... I'm completely aware that there are probably people in this room who are just like, oh my gosh, what is he going to say? What is he going to say that we need to give up, that we need to leave behind, that we need to do? And it is like, it just makes you afraid to even think about God might call me to give something up that I really like or enjoy or appreciate or whatever. And I want to take you back to the passage. And it says, keep a clear mind and don't be afraid. If you believe in Jesus Christ this morning, if he is your God and you have put your hope and trust in him, there is no reason for you to be afraid. There's no reason for you to think that anything in this world would not be worth giving up for the price that he paid for you and the prize that you have when this life comes to an end. There should be no fear whatsoever in contemplating what might you need to give up in order to have a relationship with Christ. The fear shouldn't be there. And Paul says, keep a clear mind. Don't be afraid. So this morning I want to challenge you. Don't be afraid. 
Don't be afraid to get rid of things in your life that are a distraction to you. And you need to understand today that your life is more than the things of this world. Your life exceeds beyond the temporary. Do you believe that? Now, now think about it. I ask, I ask you guys this question. What, do you really believe what God's Word says? Do you really believe in Jesus Christ? Do you really believe in eternal life? Do you really believe that your life exceeds this physical world? That your life is more than the things of this world? That your life is more than hobbies? It's more than games. Your life is more than movies or TV shows. And your life is more than books. I always throw books out there because people who watch TV and movies get a bad rap, but people who read books are just like, oh, they're smart, they read books. Like, no, books can be distracting too. That's my wife. Your life is more than hunting and fishing. It's more than socializing. It's more than politics. It's more than farming. It's more than a spouse. It's more than a parent. It's more than a child. It's more than a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a best friend, a teammate, an employee, a boss. Did I get everything? Your life is more than that. You should not be defined by the things of this world, by this physical life. God has something so much more for you than this. Anything, any joy that you experience, any of the things that I listed, or things that even I didn't list, any of the joy that you experience in those things, the joy that Christ has for you is much greater. But you have to believe that. And just like believing in Jesus Christ and having a relationship with Him, you have to step out on faith in order to get there. You're not going to experience that joy until you leave the things of this world behind to seek Christ and follow Him and then experience that joy as He reveals it to you. On Wednesday night, we've been talking in 1 Corinthians. And in chapter 15, Paul begins to write about the resurrection. And he talks about when the trumpet blows. You know, like I said earlier, it's kind of like as Christians, we're all waiting for this like one moment to culminate and then like the end will be here. <clears throat> but there's a lot of things that we have to go through and endure that the Bible addresses like through all this before that end comes. But Paul writes about one day, you know, the trumpet's going to blow. And when the trumpet's blown... The dead in Christ will be resurrected into new spiritual bodies and then the living at that moment will be transformed into spiritual bodies. Super fascinating passage of scripture. We had some really fun discussion on it Wednesday night as people were just kind of imagining what the spiritual body was going to be like. It was really funny and very, uh, it, was, it, was, it was really interesting. <clears throat> but I want you to think about this this morning. As we're finishing up, when that trumpet blows... And you are no longer of this world, and you are standing before Christ. I just want to ask you, what good, what good is your spouse going to do for you then?
Because it talks about in heaven we'll neither be married. That it won't matter. Like there will be no marriage in heaven. What good will your children do for you then? What good will your parents do for you then? Your job, your retirement, your hobbies. Everything that you hold dear in this life and you let yourself get consumed in and thinking like, this is my reason for existing. Like, no, God has something so much greater for you to exist for than the things of this world. And as Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians 15, he says you have to be transformed into spiritual bodies, eternal bodies, so that you can inherit eternal things. And as a physical body, you can't inherit eternal things because you can't hold on to them because the eternal passes, but the spiritual is eternal. And for you to sit here today and you think about, okay, am I keeping a clear mind? Am I, am I clearing myself from being distracted by things of this world so I can focus on Christ and the things that he's called me to do and building his kingdom and glorifying Jesus through my life? Or am I afraid to do that because I'm afraid of what I'm going to have to give up? And you think about when that trumpet blows, what is that thing or things that you're afraid to give up, what is it going to do for you when you stand before the creator of the universe? You stand before Jesus Christ, the one who died on the cross and gave up his physical life, who gave up everything so that you could have eternity. What are you going to say whenever you stand before him one day and you were unwilling to give up things of the world when he gave up his very life for you? It doesn't equate, does it? There's no excuse there's nothing that you can say. There's no words that you're going to have. There's no argument that you're going to make. There's no case that will hold up in court for you to make that argument. And you know it. And I know it. And God's word says it. And the thing is, is we have to ask ourselves, who do we belong to? Do we belong to the world or do we belong to Christ? Are we filled with things of the world? Or are we filled with things of Christ? Is our mind clear and focused? Or is it contaminated and ate up with things that are distracting us and taking us away from things that we know that we should be doing? And like I said, it doesn't even have to be simple. Most of the time it's not. It just grows in us. You listening to me this morning? Your body, your heart, your mind, it is made to grow things. That's weird. That's weird to think about. It's made to grow things. And if you watch what happens in people's life, if they're involved in sin, it grows in sin. Your life, your, your body, it, it grows in sin. It always takes what's there and it makes more of it. And if it's ingrained in hobbies and things of the world, then it grows that. If it's, in, if it's a career, you grow your career. If it's a family, you grow your family. Like that's what we're, we're made to do is to grow. But if you become a spiritual being and you follow Jesus Christ, your life will be transformed into the spiritual 
and you will grow the kingdom of God. And then when you're truly transformed from this physical body into the spiritual body, then you get to inherit eternity. But you need to understand today, if that transformation doesn't take place, you don't get to inherit eternity. The transformation has to take place. The question is who you belong to. How clear is your mind? What are you focused on? And what are you devoted to? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to come together to read your word. And Lord, to just be reminded once again of the hard teachings that you have for us. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to always be prepared and ready to speak your truth. Lord, help us to build one another up in love and encouragement and patience. God, help us to be aware of the time that we're in to live for you, to serve you, and to know how to handle these situations and circumstances. Father, help us to avoid people who flatter and help us to keep a clear mind and to not be afraid, but to know that anything that we do for you is worth it and will be rewarded in eternity. Father, we love you today. And we thank you for all these things, and we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. You're dismissed. I spent a long time in the dark, felt good saying goodbye. Waking up to a brand new heart. And if you're sleeping like I used to be, 